Thanks for tuning in. 99 for One is a podcast of real-life stories meant to inspire ordinary people to do extraordinary things that change our world. This podcast is owned and operated by Will Cravens, author of the book 99 for One and founder of the nonprofit Endurance Leadership. Now for today's podcast, here's Will Cravens. Welcome back to 99 for One. This is episode 19. And as I promised last week, we're going to pick up where we left off when I interviewed Jason Bruce, who was on our sixth trip to San Diego. And another person on that trip, uh, along with the, that entire group, was uh, my daughter, Courtney, my oldest daughter. She's here with me today, so welcome, Courtney. Thank you. It's good to be here. I appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> so actually, uh, when I was talking to Jason last week, we were kicking around, you know, why do people join a trip like this? You, you knew that uh, as my 26-year-old daughter, three years ago, you know, that I'd been going out here looking for my friend Ed, who was homeless. What made you decide to join me on the trip? I decided to leap with you and join in on the search and to see your heart for that. And it turned out to be a pretty redemptive trip. And doing it together. Yes. I was thrilled when you said, yes, I'm coming with you. And that was that was a really fun week together. And so I put you on my team, as I yeah. told in the podcast last week, because I wanted incredible. to protect you. That was the first time we had uh, two females, you and Georgia, actually live on the street with us. What do you remember about observations you had actually done some work in Chicago but what were your observations of actually living on the street versus just seeing people on the street while you went to school in Chicago uh living is really really different than being like the head of a household as like a house parent with someone that is going through drug detox this was witnessing people who were actually still using and the pain was right in front of you to witness so is there anybody that stood out to you during our week that you thought, wow, that person really stands out to me? A person or two that you think of? I would say I hung out a lot with Tom because I trusted him and Jose. And Tom was, uh, if you remember on a previous broadcast, a person we interviewed when he was 82 years old and blind. We would see him almost on every trip. And so, yeah, he hung out with us on that trip. You remember he asked to eat dinner with you? Yeah. It was I great. do recall where uh, we were taking a group photo. We had and two you... meals together, yeah. Right. The group a... photo that I, embarrassingly enough, Tom being blind, I pointed in the direction and said, Tom, you have to look at the camera. But... And then you pointed the direction and he was still looking the other way because he didn't see you pointing. I do remember that. Uh, yeah, yeah. You learn things on a trip like that. <laughs> You got to actually be verbal, not uh, visual in that scenario. But awesome. He did love you. I remember him requesting, I want to sit with Courtney. And then Jose, tell us a bit about Jose Hernandez, who we met over in the Mission Gorge area over by Home Depot. Jose was a small Latino man that he didn't have many teeth at all. And he talked as if the drug had either consumed him or the way he was living had aged his physical body. And it looked really fragile. And I remember he took a liking to you, said, Ah, oh, you're Iha, you're daughter Courtney. I yeah. want to show you my house. So he took us back into the riverbed. And some of you remember a few episodes ago where we talked about the riverbed, how dangerous it was. And as Jason mentioned last week, we were told by a few people back there that the police, uh, San Diego Police Department, had cleaned it out, had driven everybody out or arrested a number of people. So when we arrived on this trip, we actually were surprised that we didn't see any people. And then when we ran into Jose, he said, I want to show you uh, my casa. So he dragged us. And I'd never been on the casa tour with Jose. So do you remember? what do you remember about that? Well, first I remember when you and Jason went into Home Depot 
And like Jason said, I had climbed the tree. You didn't allow me to go back there because of the, for safety reasons. Right. So I had to sit. And I remember being kind of panicked, like, what if something actually happened and I'm just sitting out here in front of Home Depot Well, I knew you were safe. You were safer in the Home Depot (laughs) parking lot than you would have been in the uh, Riverbed area. And got to keep in mind that the time before when we were there was when there were the drug dealers. We did have a death threat while we were there. And so we were being cautious. But I do remember you climbing the tree to see who's over the wall. Can we go over there? So then that happened earlier. And then when he kept saying that he had this oso, this bear that he wanted to show us, we all had to lean into it with a trust and go, all right, here we go. We're going back. Because that wasn't something we did earlier. Right. So we met Jose and he said, I want to show you my house. And then he started to talk about this, an oso. And if you don't speak Spanish, an oso is a bear. And then he kept saying to uh, to you, uh, oh, I've got this oso. Be careful. It was huge. And then he would lean over to (laughs) me and say, uh, to me as the father, it's okay. It's, it's, he's very safe. But then to you, he was trying to instill a little bit of fear of yeah, this, a, a, a bear, a bear at my house. It's and so huge. his house was, you remember, we went back this back We trail. kept going, and it wouldn't end. I just remember questioning halfway through, like, How I deep don't know in the what's going to be then. What is this? Oh, so. And he took us to his little, little tent. He told me to get in the tent, which was a little odd, too. Like, oh, you should poke your head I'm in. I'm going to yeah. get in. Yeah. And he showed me, and it was a giant teddy bear that you would get on like a valentine's like a, day or like or a, some sort of uh, amusement park a it was the size also. of jose pretty much and it didn't look that dirty it seemed pretty cozy he actually then took it out for right. me to hug yeah yeah he wanted you to hug it abrazo yeah. mioso here's a sweet little guy showing us his house and then he was like come back and see me again You're he very did kind. apologize for how dirty his house was i remember yeah there's a little bit of shame involved and he allowed us to pray with him. And then we saw another guy on the way out. I remember uh, an addict. You prayed for the addict's kids. Yeah. Remember he wouldn't let you pray. And then you asked to pray for his kids. I, I do remember that. And then we headed out of the woods. We had to make it to dinner because we were dinner was on the other side of town at one of the churches we were eating at. So we caught an Uber, myself and you and uh, Jason, to make it back. And it was actually Valentine's night. So there was a church that had set up and decorated the whole community room where they were feeding us with hearts and such. And you and I were at the same table. Yes. And we met this guy, James, across from us. James was a character. He was. He was. He uh, was super joyous. He didn't skip a beat in talking to us. A lot of them, when you eat with them, there's a insecurity in their part because they don't know you or you're not familiar, so they kind of keep to themselves. It's kind of a distance, initiate. yeah. But he jumped right into conversation with us and he did. started talking to me. And he was, an, he was a little bit of an older <clears throat> uh, African-American man who'd been on the street for a little while. And he said he actually he was upper-class homeless, meaning he lived in his car and he had a laptop with him. But I'll never forget, they gave us a lot of sweets, this sweet cake for... For dinner, for the uh, Valentine's feast, it's sort of a tree because it was Valentine's Day, February 2017. And then I said, would you like my piece of cake? And he didn't just say yes. Do you remember what he did? He had already, when dad had offered his piece of cake, you have to understand this guy had already had two pieces of cake and was asking for the guy next to you for his cake. Right. And then you saw that. I saw he was a cake lover and I wanted to offer. (laughs) But what I remember is he sprang up and said, I don't mind if I do. And then he reached in his bag and took out a syringe and he pulled the edge of the back of his pants down to reveal uh, one butt cheek. And then he gave himself a shot. 
and said, I'm, right, a di- right. I'm a diabetic. <laughs> right. I'm going to need some insulin before I eat more cake. <laughs> and he gave himself it. a nice shot, whatever he was having, so that he could eat more cake. So there was no shame in that because he didn't skip a beat in talking to us. The conversation right, no. kept going as we the talked pants to him were as down he gave himself a shot. Well, they weren't fully down, but partially <laughs> enough to make it awkward and, and to stick in my mind in a way that I would not care for. But anyway, yeah, that was one of the interactions. What else do you remember about that week? Anything else stand out to you? I think the weight of how weak you physically become from witnessing so much pain. So in other words, it's pretty emotionally draining. Yeah, I didn't actually expect it to be that draining for us. Yeah, for those of you listening, we actually we talk to people and one of the things we ask them is, what's your story? And when we listen to their stories, you, imagine doing that all day on the street and then you do it for five days straight. So you hear a story after story after story, and it's kind of these shipwrecked lives that weigh on you after a while. Steve, Steve and I have talked about a few times on our flights home where we're emotionally just, don't talk to me. I'm afraid any, the smallest thing will be a tipping point that will make know, me break down and start it. crying. I think there was one point where we went to dinner and another person on the trip was Connor. Connor and I were talking to a guy who was actually talking about how attractive you were. None of us understood what was going on really because Connor assumed he had to protect me. So Connor's getting in front of the guy when in reality, the guy was really, really struggling with homosexuality and the story got so painful for him, he just wept and we just sat there. I remember for the first time being embarrassed, not knowing how to really pray for the pain and then Ben came over. Oh, yeah, we had a guy on the trip, Ben Atkinson, who was just great at caring for that man. And and praying. Uh, and I do remember warrior. that guy. That was at one of the dinners, now yeah. that you say it. And I remember the guy saying, I wish I was Ed. I wish somebody was looking for, for me. me. I wish somebody... I want to be Ed. Yeah, because he couldn't imagine that a group of people would love somebody enough to hunt for them. So he said, I wish... You know, there were people in my life willing to do that. And so Ben did take the time out to minister to him, encourage him, pray with him. Now, we had the week cut short. We have this pattern where on our last night, we always take a few homeless people to dinner. But that trip, trip six was unique in that when we got back to the hotel to change clothes to take some people out, we all started receiving messages about our flights that they were going to be canceled because there was a storm coming in. And they said, either get on a flight now, we'll we'll switch you to an early flight, or you're stuck here. So we all had to rush to the airport. It's kind of an abrupt ending to the week. Do you remember that? Yeah, there was no sense of closure. It was a rush to the airport. Just so you know, when there's a team that big, everybody's going different directions. We fly in on different airlines and so forth. So it wasn't even that we were all together. You know, Courtney, we ask a question at the end of every week. We say, what about you and me? So for our listeners, is there anything you learned that anybody could apply that's listening today? I think there's a takeaway that I learned. I think my relationship with you, once I saw your heart for Ed, changed a lot. It humbled me to see how passionate you were about a friend. And as your daughter, to see you actually weep about that really took a hold of me in a way that I really wanted to pursue ministry and family and the balance of it, with the belief that that could happen. I think Tom takes a delight in the small things, and there's something to be said about that. Our blind friend Tom. Yeah. And everything he did, there was this positivity and this delight, and to enter life in the darkest times with a sense of delight and thanksgiving to 
God has been something I've been really trying as well as Jose entered life just like Tom did with a delight but with humor everything Mm. was a little joke and even in the darkest times filled with pain there has to be somewhat of a humor and I think sometimes I feel guilty for putting a humor to something so dark when it's actually when it actually can be cathartic it can be a healing therapeutic so so if I heard you right the first thing would be just this idea of how do we love people in ministry if we're going to do something to affect others lives actually put your heart in it Mm -hmm. don't just do it as a vocation as a job but actually bring your heart and number two if I heard you correctly was Tom who was blind in 82 and homeless, actually always manages to have this positive attitude. I mean, it could be the weather, it could be something else. Then you stop and look at him and he's blind and he's homeless and he's got nothing and yet his attitude, he it's has his attitude. Unbelievable. bad thing he says. And then, and then the third application, if I heard you correctly, was Jose, who just made everything fun with a big stuffed animal and wrestling with addiction. He brings us back there and tries to make it fun and make us laugh and bring some joy to our day. So those are great, three great applications for our listeners today. I hope you're able to, in the midst of your day, whatever you're struggling with, to have some joy in it or to look at the bright side, the silver lining, and there always is one. And also to say, you know, how can I actually care for people rather than grow callous? And so thank you for being with me on uh, episode 19. Anyway, thanks uh, everybody for listening and hope you enjoyed today's podcast. You've been listening to 99 for One, a podcast of real-life stories meant to inspire ordinary people to do extraordinary things that change our world. This podcast is owned and operated by Will Cravens, author of the book 99 for One and founder of the nonprofit Endurance Leadership. Thanks for listening.